Here's a little story I got to tell about three bad brothers you know so well. It started way back in history with Demon Carter, aka Dem One, Mr. David Ma, and me, Nate LeBlanc. Hey guys, it's Nate. Um, we're doing things a little bit differently this week. Each of us are just going to kind of tell a story about a song. And my song, my story is about how Action Bronson makes me think of my great-grandmother, who I've never met. In his classic surrealist novel, The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle, Haruki Murakami posits that the best possible music to listen to while making spaghetti is Rossini's La Gaza Ladra, or The Thieving Magpie Overture. All due respect to the masterful author, but he's wrong. In my house growing up, the best music to listen to while doing pretty much anything in the kitchen was legendary crooner Dean Martin. I grew up listening to Dean Martin and eating my dad's signature dish, which we always called spaghetti and meatballs, but was actually almost always rigatoni and meatballs. My dad, Bob, has mastered this particular dish, which is based on two recipes from his grandmother, who he called Noni. The sauce is a pretty straightforward tomato sauce that's simmered for hours and helped along by a pinch of sugar. It's amazing, and I've eaten literal gallons of it in my life. But the best part, my dad's signature dish, are the meatballs. They're made from humble and readily available ingredients, and yet there is something almost alchemical about the texture that my dad is able to get them to have. He takes heavy ingredients like ground beef and white bread and makes them light and airy, never dense. He has a well-practiced routine where he wakes up early, starts the sauce, and then sets about the ritual of making the meatballs. He soaks the bread... Mixes the ingredient by hand in a huge bowl. My grandma, Millie, used to taste that. She would take a little speck of the raw meat to taste it. It's actually technically the only way you can tell if it's seasoned properly, but none of us have the guts to do it, especially once the eggs are in. He mixes the ingredients by hand in a huge bowl, rolls them out a bit bigger than a golf ball, and then dusts them in breadcrumbs and fries them. Nothing is measured, and yet the results are perfect and consistent every time. There's a legend in our house that the meatballs stolen off of the grocery bags where they dry do not count either toward a calorie count, not that any of us do that, or towards your total for the day. Once they've been fried, they're added to the sauce to braise out, to lend meatiness, and to absorb some of the acidity from the tomatoes, and the long countdown to dinner time begins. The entire ritual was often soundtracked to a certain Dean Martin greatest hit style album called the Capitals Collector Series. All the main hits are there, pizza pie, all that shit. Dean Martin has quite a few hits. At number 15, probably right around the time my dad would have his hands in a bowl of raw romantic, romantic ballad called Return to Me. Accordion, some lovely siren-like harmonized female vocals, and Dean Martin's syrupy Jack Daniels smooth vocals would fill the kitchen. I've heard this song hundreds of times. I never once thought that it could or should be sampled. But production duo Party Supplies did, and paired it with the vocals of one of the most divisive food-affiliated MCs around, Action Bronson, on their collaborative mixtape, Blue. So, like I said, this story is about my great-grandmother and my dad and our culinary tradition, but really it's about, I don't, as many times as I've watched my dad make this dish, I cannot make it myself. Um, I've only tried a couple times, but I just have never been able to quite 
knock it and maybe it's something that just needs practice and I can like try more often um, but you know we're not eating a lot of gluten these days and how many meatballs am I really going to eat in my life um, I've been lucky to eat quite a few already so I don't know if that's something I'm ever going to do return to me uh, it's called Ritorname in Italian, and there are a bunch of different versions of the song. In the particular version that I grew up with, he sings the first two verses in English and then the third in Italian. It's a beautiful song, and 9-24-11, the song that Action Bronson and Party Supplies made out of it, is not a beautiful song. It's an okay song, but I happen to love it, and it really helps me connect with my personal narrative of kind of coming from this place and then leading a life that's been defined. My dad hooks me up with some meatballs and sauce about every other month or so. Sometimes frozen, the acidity of the tomatoes ruining a disposable Tupperware thing, and sometimes, if I'm lucky, I can get them fresh a day or two after he's made a new batch. Ever the generous gentleman, my dad has shipped, driven, and given these packs out to people he loves for many years, and all he asks in return is the container back. Sometimes he has them for me at the house, where I don't visit as often as I should. Sometimes there's a distinctively tied bag on my porch when I come home from work, and I'll excitedly text my wife, we're eating good tonight. And I hope I have at least half a box of pasta in the pantry. On the first night, we simmer everything together and eat heaping bowlfuls of pasta with the sauce and a few meatballs, the whole thing doused liberally in canned parmesan. I keep Reggiano in a microplane around at all times, but for this particular dish where the pleasure is partly based in the nostalgia of having eaten it literally my entire life, I use the green can knowing full well that it contains wood pulp and I enjoy it every single time. The next night, maybe it'll just be the meatballs and we'll have it alongside a salad or something and then I invented the third version, which is a meatball pizza, often with jalapenos and Trader Joe's dough and it's the kind of stretches everything to its logic. Since I'm gifted the food so often, I've only tried to make the recipes a few times. The sauce I can get fairly close, although mine always tends to, tends to end up thicker than my dad's. The problem, I don't even order meatballs when I go out to eat because my dad's are the ideal size and shape and most importantly, the right texture. They're so pillowy. They're just really unique. Every time I've tried to make them, mine come out tough. I know I'm doing something much enough cooking shows to know that I'm probably overworking the mixture. I also lack the electric frying pan that my dad drags out of the garage in order to fry them in large batches. I hate frying in my apartment because the smell lingers for a few days, especially in the colder months when comfort food like this is needed most. Anyway, the point is I can't seem to make them right, which brings me back to Action Bronson. I admit I'm a fan of Bronsolino's. I loved his first mixtape, Bon Appetit, Bitch. DBRP co-host co sent it to me right after it dropped, and we added Bronson to our list of shared interests. The very first time I listened to him, I was cooking all day. I believe I braised some short ribs in Guinness and aromatics, and they came out amazing. The tape includes a now-bizarre-seeming shout-out from former Jet Mark Sanchez. By the time the flute was comes around, I was hooked on this hedonistic rapper that made re references to fennel pollen and Peking duck. I love Dr. Lecter and well done, his album was Static Selecta. As he started to become more of a cultural phenomenon, making food shows for Vice and beefing with Ghostface, he released Blue Chips, which contained the Dean Martin sampling 920 track. On the track, which contains a tremendous beat drop, Bronson just continually fucks up. 
Over and over again, he forgets his verses, loses his place, starts over without warning. Anyone who's seen him live will know the feeling. He's just a little too big, a little too high, and doesn't particularly care about delivering a perfect performance. For me, there's something charming about it. I like him, and I like the way he raps, and the way he educates about and delights in food and wine, and he's charismatic. By contrast, Dean Martin turns in a mannered and technically precise performance of a well-written song. But where are the drums? Where's the fun? I'd rather listen to the Blue Chips version all day. In this analogy, my dad and his perfect meatballs are Dean Martin. Both are slightly boozy gentlemen that are universally beloved. And I suppose that makes me Action Bronson, a stony, overweight dude who never finishes anything, yet somehow manages to make some hip-hop content and eat a lot of food through force of will and a little bit of charm. So here's the track, 92411. Happy, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Smoking fucking Thanksgiving turkey bags, man. Hurry back, Surgical hurry procedures. Back, oh my love, hurry back. Ben Johnson. You already know. Sign my name with the feather tap dance under the full moon. Smoking, drinking liquor for the fan that left us too soon. Just keep it trucking, searching all the nooks and crannies. No English muffin. Streets are filled with crooks and trannies. Bam, bam, got a shooter like Legacy. Emerald green paper that I split up with my posse. One hand driving, three grand smoking, two fiends sucking, tea bags soaking. Strength of a retard, the drugs are even stronger. Shorty loved the longitude, dealer bring a quarter. Overfishing make the snapper less affordable I hate when stupid bitches ask me questions that's rhetorical Like do you wanna have sex with bitches obvious Her name was Yetta from the former Yugoslavia She grew a bush like a baby plant Still I ate it, just think of it as Bucatina razor clamps Smuggle cheeses in a baby bag And then I serve it at a private tasting I got no time for wasting Just dick is placing a slit, no type of conversation And prime rib from the feeder comes at the blabber blabber Fuck Fuck my last word up, cause I don't give a shit, man. I meant to say, prime rib carved at the fucking carving station. But yo, yo, my mind is locked up, my conscience racked up. In an alley with a fiend getting his cock sucked. Plus she wearing a wedding dress, a special day. She said she finally met a fuck. Yo, my mind is locked up, my conscience racked up. Up in an alley with a fiend getting his cock sucked. And she wearing a wedding dress, a special day. She said she finally met a man to take a breath away. Well, naturally, I'm jealous because I'm lonely. At time, my only friends are life and drugs and the cannoli. My dad was right. I should have listened when he told me. A walking contradiction, wounds inflicted on me solely. Pain within, running deeper than the ocean floor. Pain within, running deeper than the ocean floor. Ocean Avenue, the family straight from Kosovo. That was years ago, Ma. Look how your son is bloom. I hum a tune and then I'm hiding. Than the sun in June, and I'm just living my life, but feel I'm drifting. Demons on the doorstep, lungs that feel constricted. Or maybe I should see a shrink and get prescripted. Or take the hand of God, but shit, I think I'll keep my distance. I think I'm frightened and I didn't even know it, but yo, that was a thought, and I'm subconsciously a poet. It's perfect timing, and I'm hoping I don't blow it. I pop the bottle of the Moet, yo, here's to me. Yeah. This big body best, man. I want to give a special fucking shout out to all my family out there in that BX borough, man. Davidson Avenue, man, 2548. 190, we out here. Shout out, rest in peace to my grandfather, Ali Rizai. My nonna, you already know, we 
out here. Wild shit straight from Atlanta, Albania, ship me. We out here, no motherfucking shoes on. Motherfuckers pissing in the street, wildin', throwing sinks off the rooftop shit. I'm out here, man, it's big body. Motherfucker, you know me, man. The four building, we was out there wildin', eight o'clock slot time. Everybody, you ain't shit. Fuck you. Trying to stay about the other skips Great white sharks, the 38 with tarnished tip 27 years, I never met an honest bitch Slice her faces like a ton that shit Through my nasal, blow the smoke Basil on the boat Hookers on the half shell, hundred dollar pants Windbreaker jacket, flapping like a falcon from a west wind Play the kitchen like a Mexican, Mexican Patch of Swayze, we out song is the most ironic thing of all. It didn't get any attention when the record came out in the 70s. Then as the years went by, I found that hip-hop was heavily sampling it. Of course it was the LP era, so there's a, there's a side A and a side B, and the producers would put what they consider to be the best cut at the beginning of the A side because the audio is much better on the outer ring of the record. The grooves are wider and just other technical stuff like that. The songs that are quote-unquote attention-getters were placed at the outside of the record, and Nautilus is, is hidden at the end of side B. So that should give you an indication that we didn't pay much attention to it. It's a real simple tune because I was just looking for a nice groove to improvise on. I had a great rhythm section that day, and we were in the studio and just having fun, and I'm glad to hear how hip-hop went on to use it. That was Bob James and his thoughts towards Nautilus from an extensive interview I did with him years ago. James is obviously a gifted composer whose work is well celebrated in hip-hop due to its many incarnations through the years. Take Me to Mardi Gras is of course another well-known cut. But now, let's take a listen to Nautilus. Hey everyone, Dave here, back on DadBot Rap Pod, this time for a Thanksgiving special where each of us picks a song and dives in a bit. While I could go on and on about the greatness of, of Nautilus alone, the great groove, the keyboard work, the active arrangement, how it was produced by the great Creed Taylor, all of it, but the song I'm choosing to highlight is my favorite usage of it. No, not Riz's Daytona 500 or Ninth Wonders Murray's Revenge or Run DMC or Large Pro or countless others but a bit of an obscure track, 1987's My Mic Is On Fire by Lord Shafiq. Yeah, K for Halley. James. Mask Mugaki. It's me, Lord Shafiq. Why enter? 
Anna Khalil, Matariju, or in other words, what do you want? Set this mic on fire. And how you gonna do that? Flame on! It's no coincidence that when I came on and spoke into my mic dome, I said, flame on! And arsonist caused this a wish, but his name is Great Dome Triumphant. You can't hold this. He went to war with the hammer of Thor, now it's a monument. Hanging on my wall, but you insist to shoot joints To prove a point, but it's nothing new Because the joints that you threw I knew it's sweet, it's like an episode It repeats and repeats You threw a jab, I grab your wrist Kiss your fist, threw it back in your face Mmm, a total diss, but you're still engaged To what I put on page Now my mic wants a divorce It's on a rampage Singing a lullaby, that's so fly Removes the ring around your finger Place it around your eye Command my mic to play dead Until a knucklehead angers me So instead of getting trife Like a mortal with a Ginsu knife I'd rather bring my mic to life My mic is on fire I'll commit suicide, purposely jump into the skillet to get fried and lard. And let you chew on me hard, then watch you choke from the dope for not being a god. I won't assist you, or miss you, instead I'll diss you. I'll grab you by your forelocks and then I'll twist you up like a pretzel, seasoned with sodium. Which is sore, who wants to bite now? Show me them and I'll roast them, toast them, toast them where the sea dwells. Down the Pacific, where Sally sells seashells by the seashore. And if you want more, then just ask. You shall be given the cure. You're not dealing with a dealer or dealing with a concealer. You're dealing with a revealer. Shafiq is a healer. I am the antidote and I'm dope and I'm anti-whack. Which is to say being whack is what I lack. I'm so dangerous so please don't anger this microphone. He'll tell me to untangle his wire. Plug it in to fulfill his desire. Another vanish set his ass on fire. My mic is on fire. Flicker a light door minted in you And the quicker you acknowledge Inhale, exhale Bear witness, Allah who Akbar Adhere to my call And into the door, then do what's right and exact And hit the floor, cause my mic is on fire Meaning that it's lit up Until the knowledge stops flowing Then you all can get up and inhale And exhale again Cause it's a constant rep style that never ends Knowledge flows through me, my microphone uses me To illumine me, then he becomes on fire Robocop, a sport, valley sandals, ride on camels, wear Egyptian musk, cause I hate great flannels. I hate a man who thinks he's better than I am, because he's bigger than I am, he doesn't know who I am. You said you're built like a house, tough shit, I ain't fearing it. 
When does a house compare to a pyramid? That's what I enter when I want to meditate. I light up a pack of Sufi incense, and then I translate a flow through a pen on a scroll. Then I unroll the scroll when it's time to roll. Shop beat is the Lord. Much is under my cap, and like Reynolds, I'm here to rap. My mic is on fire. The song famously kicks off with him kind of whispering, it's me, Lord Shafiq, may I enter? From there, he just blasts off. Not only does the track have a sort of metaphysical feel to it, but Shafiq was light years ahead of, light years ahead of his time in terms of rhyme structure and abstract content. Remember, in 1986 and 1987, Raising Hell was the big hit, but it was cacophonous, aggressive. Shafiq was laid back, contemplative, almost, and funny. Both the Bob James article and the song have personal meaning to me, especially when it comes to my career in journalism. The, the James piece was done for Wax Poetics probably about 10 years ago and was not only one of my bigger pieces for Wax Poetics, but remains one of my most cited. It's also personally rewarding to see Bob James share the article several, t- several times on social media years later. I discovered the Lord Shafiq track from an Eagle Trip compilation around the same time as well. This was around the same time I started writing for Ego Trip, Ego Trip Land. I went on to write about and interview Pharaoh Monch, Rock Marcy, Big Boy, collaborated with Oliver Wong, and a bunch of other stuff that was incredibly fun. As someone who grew up with Ego Trip's books, and I think at the time they also had the White Rapper Show, it was immensely gratifying. I was working directly under Jefferson Chairman Mao, who, was a, who I was a big fan of. I was writing for Wax Poetics, Ego Trip, and the source at the same time. As a younger... In summation, Lord Shafiq's My Mic is on Fire represents the perfect personal intersectionality of all of that. History, journalism, music. When I hear the track these, these days and I hear Shafiq ask, may I enter? The answer in my head has always been a resounding yes. So it may come as a surprise to some, seeing as how I've been talking my ass off for the past 90 plus episodes on Dad Bod Rap Pod, but I do not consider myself that good of a storyteller. So when it comes to telling an actual story with detail and nuance and richness and making it funny, I've always felt like I'm underwhelming in that respect. So that's a great disclaimer to start with my story for my uh, Thanksgiving kind of song retrospective. Um, and it begins in the halcyon days of the mid nineties. We're talking about 94, 95 ish era. And 
I was uh, out of high school for, yes, the summer after I got out of high school, student at San Jose State, working at Foot Locker. But my real mission during that time was recording my rap group's first EP. Um, so everything I was doing uh, was kind of in service to that. To the chagrin of my poor mother, who was paying 10K a year for me to go to state, uh, just for me to be smoking weed and trying to work on a rap album. But um, uh, I formed a rap group with some buddies of mine uh, called Lackadaisical, which included myself, uh, Sutan Banks, uh, a.k.a. Tracks a Million, who you might know um, if you're into the hyphy era at all, and our younger homie, Jesse Jones. So we were disciples of kind of the souls of mischief, um, early 90s sound that was like really foundational for us as well as Black Alicious Melodica record, uh, Dell's No Need for Alarm. So we were, you know, firmly ensconced in the backpack tradition and we're trying to make music of our own in that respect. Um, so I was working to pay for Ampex uh, Reel to Reels because I'm we used to record on Reel to Reels uh, years old. <laughs> and we would go to the studio and record tracks kind of sporadically throughout the uh, summer, summer, fall of, of 1995. Um, it was a it, it was a great era. I know everybody thinks that their kind of formative years were a great era, but it was a great era. Um, Jesse, Tracks a Million, myself um, had a fucking ball in the studio in a lot of ways, when we talked to Fat Lip on the program about the making of a bizarre ride, that's how I imagined our, I'm sure it wasn't as fun as them making Bizarre Ride, but that's kind of how I imagine, and I think when I think about the memories of our studio sessions, and we were mentored by a local rap group called The Derelicts, which is an amazing rap group you probably never heard of, and we should do a podcast on one day, but they mentored us through the process of how you uh, create your first EP, so we went inside the studio, we recorded these tracks, we're super proud of them, um, and then at that time in San Jose, there was one spot where you could come out and perform your joint set, and that was called Cactus Club, which was kind of like a, a dingy kind of punk rock club, but it, it, uh, it was a all-ages thing, I believe, on Sundays. So we had this new EP recorded. We're getting ready to do the big kind of coming out performance at, uh, at the Cactus Club, and Jesse uh, ended up getting arrested um, and this is kind of the part where I tell you Jesse was a wild, exuberant, um, kind of a crazy kid. I was 19, uh, Tracks Million was 17, Jesse was 15 um, in 1995 when this came out. Um, so he gets arrested. He's in Juvenile Hall while we're getting ready to do this show. And we're, um, which kind of bummed us out. But we worked on that set so hard. We worked on that set so hard. We had props. Um, we had gimmicks, call and response, routines, whole shit. Um, because this is a story within a story, I'll say, in short, we killed it. Um, we had pressed up 100 tapes. I sold them all that night, um, and I felt like this is the beginning of a very fruitful rap career. I was wrong, but uh, it really kind of solidified um, this this dream of wanting to wanting to be a rapper, wanting to be someone who did this for a living and actually contributed to my um, harebrained idea of dropping out of college, which is another story. So we do this show, um, and it, it turns out great. But when we came along in 1995, it was like the backpack wave was, was starting to crest a little bit. Um, 
the Chronic album had been out for a couple years. The whole kind of tenor of rap was changing. The idea that you could have a fruitful career uh, like a Far Side or Souls of Mischief, even in um, even in our circle, started to seem less realistic. Souls of Mischief got dropped from Drive, I, I think, in 95 or 96 after their second record. And there was kind of this palpable sense that um, the music that we thought was going to take over the world, we were really thinking that the West Coast rap aesthetic was going to take over. Um, it didn't necessarily materialize, but parallel to that, we started to learn about Freestyle Fellowship and all of the things coming out of the Project Blow tradition in L.A. And the way that you figured out about these things back in those days was via uh, dubbed tapes. Um, and so there were a couple of L.A. expats who were going to San Jose State uh, one dude in particular who I want to call out, uh, name, I don't remember his name, name, but we called him Axiom. Um, he seemed to have all the tapes, like all the unreleased stuff, stuff from artists we had never heard. That's how I heard about CVE. That's how I heard about the Rifleman. Like he had everything, including a bunch of tracks off of um, the, the unreleased tracks from All Balls Don't Bounce. So circa 94, we were already listening to like the calisthenics track and um, uh, Everywhere You Go. So we we were kind of really excited about that record as a harbinger of the West Coast rap sound taking over All Balls Don't Bounce um, by AC Alone. So we're, you know, by the time our record comes out, we're super into the L.A. underground aesthetic. We're like AC Alone, um, Freestyle Fellowship Disciples. Uh, All Balls Don't Bounce comes out to our surprise. It does not change the world. Um, we thought that, you know, um, the whole virtuosity um, that West Coast rap and L.A. in particular was bringing to the game would change things. And it did for Bone Thugs and Harmony, but for... For the rap groups that we loved, that never, that kind of mainstreaming success never materialized. And it, it, it seems silly now to say that, but there was this pal palpable sense that like, okay, All Balls Don't Bounce is going to come out and there's going to be this kind of revolution. Um, and so that doesn't necessarily happen, but, you know, uh, Traximillion, myself, Jesse, we're still super into it. It becomes more of a niche thing. Um, Traximillion starts to branch out into his own production kind of work and in, in another milieu, he kind of starts to step out of the backpack lane. Um, so fast forward 1998, um, AC Alone's Book of Human Language is about to come out. Um, we somehow had not gotten wind of it via the dub tape scene, like he had protected his masters very well, I guess. And he was coming to the Catalyst in Santa Cruz, which is about 40 or so miles from San Jose. And so, yeah, we're all going to go. We're going to pile in my homeboy Chevy Blazer, emphasis on the word blaze. And uh, and we're going to go over Highway 17 and go see AC Alone at, at the Catalyst. Um, so we go to the show. It's it's Jesse, myself. Uh, Traximillion wasn't there. And, you know, he's doing his hits. We're, we're, of course, you know, overjoyed. At some point during the show, he slows down the set. He starts to do some songs from Book of Human Language, which we hadn't heard before. And he tells Kilu to kind of cut the music, take a pause as he's about to set up kind of an audience engagement thing. And there was just a beat of silence. And Jesse screams from the side of the stage, we are the OG crew. 
which was at that time um, an unreleased demo uh, of the heavyweights. It was like a posse cut that we loved to death and that had never come out. And in my research, seems like it never did properly come out. And AC Alone on stage kind of turns to our side and is like, we are the OG crew. Oh, y'all some heads. And then kind of, you know, pivots back and gets back into the show. Um, and so, of course, we felt seen. We're like, oh, my God, he he heard us and he looked in our direction and blah, blah, blah. And we felt like, uh, you know, real our, our backpack aficionado status was was intact. So he does. He finishes the show. It's amazing, of course. Um, and this was before Book of Human Language had come out. So when the record comes out, you know, uh, which again, I would suggest that anybody who hasn't heard it, go check it out. AC Alone and Mumble's Book of Human Language. Um, great concept album uh, of that time, which is actually kind of rare for that time. When we get to the title track, which is the second to last track, and it fades out, what fades in is the audio from the Catalyst show. And so I'm listening to, I remember listening to it the first time and being like, that sounds familiar, that banter. And if you listen to it and you turn it up, up, you can faintly hear my guy Jesse go, we are the OG crew. And then AC Alone says, we are the OG crew. Oh, y'all some heads. This is on the record, right? And so, of course, we're like, oh, my God, this is, this is amazing. Like this moment, you know, those moments that you tell as a story that I'm probably telling poorly um, is actually captured on one of the seminal records of this era. You know, it was like, oh, my God, this is amazing to me. Um, and I remember talking to Jesse about it and we we're really, really excited about that. And so it's something that I hold on to for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, just the sheer um, kind of fandom. It's where our fandom actually showed up on our record um, that we, we really loved. The other reason, or there's a couple more reasons that I hold on to it, is because it was that kind of one point where our aspirations to be MCs um, kind of literally crisscrossed with one of our idols. Um, I know AC Allen would never remember this, but several years before that moment, we saw him at a show in San Francisco, and our then-manager, uh, Rock B, was trying to tell AC Allen that we were a dope group and we were going to be this, that, and the third. AC Alone didn't say anything. He just handed us a copy of Project Blow, the first compilation, and walked away. Like, he totally curbed us. But um, it, we, we kind of held on to that tape, and that was our gateway drug in, into that. So to, again, have this moment where our fandom and our aspirational artist dreams kind of overlapped with uh, what, to me, is like his best project um, was really gratifying in a way. Um, it's also bittersweet. Uh, Jesse ended up being murdered essentially by a, a police officer. He was shot in the back in 2006. And that moment on record, like his, his kind of this faint, um, exclamation, you can just, just barely hear, um, that was him, you know, touching his dream in a way. Um, and is really that's the only uh, kind of recorded on record thing of my guy's voice. Uh, and so I listen to it whenever I do listen to it. And I don't often because like I'll, I can get emotional about it. 
Um, it just gives me the sense of uh, records are in a way immortal. That moment, Jesse's voice, you know, I remember him whenever I listen to the record at all. You know, I'm instantly drawn back to that time and those moments. And this idea that um, underground hip hop, even as an era, um, is preserved as we knew it is preserved but also temporary right like um these amazing moments in time uh don't last forever and you don't understand that when you're you know you're a teenager young man the way that i do now but um for those reasons i really value the song um book of human language and really the whole album the whole aesthetic um it it takes me back to a time and a place and i think it's one of the better representations um of of that time and place in, in west coast hip-hop and so that's why for me that that song will always have a special place um i'll qualify this with memory is uh clinically proven to be very faulty um our memories seldom really jive with how um things actually happened and so this is one of those rare moments where the the tall tale um, and the reality kind of sync up because it's recorded it's recorded there. So um, that's my story, Book of Human Language by AC Alone, super dope cut. Hope y'all enjoy it. Every time I flow, I get this vision, and I know. Every time I know I manifest it, then I go. And everywhere I go, I plan to see the whole big grow. But every seed planted ain't always granted life, though. Some grow slow, and then they flourish in the end. Then again, some grow fast, then they die out as soon as they begin. Now many moons ago, my seed planted in the mines. Yes, indeed, I cut off bleed, I sweat and tears until I'm free. My sector, the 213, my protector, the EYE. Just soak it in like Mother Earth just burned. What was once this jewel is just a cesspool for fools. Truly, well, there's another chapter to that never ending capture. Rapture, I tap your mental, and stroke your mind so gentle. I'm the sunshine, not the star, now I'm irregular and bizarre. But I know exactly who I are, yeah. And I love to keep it true and I'm on guard, cause nobody likes to be a water boy forever never seen the field thinking you got it together playing foosball in the street it's your game but it's big concrete and it's my ball it's my treat it's my world it's my head. i live in a hell hole in the wall and i'll never see the light of day so flipping those controlling all y'all but they won't take minds away what is that a stick to react before you think and to make that thought complete tell it to the weak smell before you eat see i never try to mislead and i walk this planet key yes indeed i cut off bleed i swear to tis until i'm free my sector the 213 my protector the eye just soak it in despite all this anguish for a book of human language down with the lamb that's how i was taught when i sought out to tell them who i am i exam i look for the bank and swam change my program but they hold me back like water in a dam but i won't be held even though i'm trailed with bread from 
drums, I'll take her to the max head drum. Yo, need more than Excedrin, codeine, morphine, nicotine, caffeine, yo, canteen, and your bloodstream. I'm a whale oil machine. Keep my area quarantined from the gardens of Florentine to the shores of Tripoli. Scientifically, ain't no river me. I'm terrifically well spoken. Seem to the attempts to get a glimpse to see what the hell I'm smoking, but it ain't no Bama. I just master this bastard grammar. I go outside my parameter and stretch on my diameter. It gets bigger than camera. So picture that with your camera. Got some designers inside my thesaurus child and much more harsh than yours. I just express mine's a little different because life ain't fair, but who really cares? I know some people that's over here, but they want to be over there. I know some real cool cats, yeah, but they want to be bears. And when I see them chasing chickens, I can heat it like a flare. Oh, your face looks scared. Your space suit's got a tear. You're a square, and I'm beyond compare, and I'm rare, yeah. And I'm sick of turning apples into pears. Soon as I get a little bit of it, I'ma share. See, I never try to mislead, and I walk this planet key. Yes, indeed, I cut off bleed. I sweat tears until I'm free. My sector the 213, but my tech to the EYE. Just soak it in despite all this anguish for a book of human life. Shit, so y'all, y'all got to witness it. For those of y'all who never heard it, this was some shit back in the, in the D's days. Where we going? Oh, acapella. You don't want to do with no music? All right. Let me ask y'all a question. And by a show of hands, give me your response. Oh, we are the OG. Oh, these is heads right here. These is heads know some inside shit. We're going we're gonna to talk about that. Anyway, I want to ask y'all something. Check this out. By a show of hands. How many people got control of their minds? By a show of hands. That's right. And by a show of hands, how many people are just frozen in time? That's right. It's a few of us. Now, it's only so many of us who were chosen to shine. Could be a song. But if your nose are to climb, then you'll be there before they mount up now. Count up all your memories and divide that by your fantasies because you want to live life so glamorously, glittery and all shimmery. See, every day is a jamboree, but with good times comes misery and misery enjoys company. So I hope you got your sensory. Now, it really don't make no sense to me that increasing the density and that test is out, chose density, and I know you don't want to be tested, right? 
You don't want to be tested, right? Well, there ain't going to be no mutiny when they look down me on scrutiny. See, reality ain't new to me, and being dumb ain't cute to me. Yo, I got something I found out I can get y'all all involved. Just watch the bouncing ball, but see, it don't bounce, it revolves. See, now I don't think that I am unreasonable. Just because I don't really have to have no reason to flow. Every season I go squeeze in their hands and I lead them along. See, I lead them along, line of slack, and then I pulls it right back. See, if I give them too much, they might mistake my kindness for weakness. If I don't give them enough, they might think I don't possess uniqueness. But on the contrary, I got the bombers, berries, and the fruit tree. With the nutrients to cleanse and rinse your bodies of all the toxins. I locks in. I use my viewfinder. I'm going to give you a reminder. I'm on that straight and narrow with no blinders. No blinders. And I still see the rhyme designers that bite like side Winders. With ten toes down, I spin flows round and round at an angle with anger. The angular warlock like strangler, sociopathic, graphic, psychosymptom, drastic, plastic, coated, bloated, just like fatty tissue acid. I'm Jurassic. I unmask it with a bread basket full of molded yeast, cause the stench is a clincher once my gases are released. So just inhale, cause you know you know you inhale as it is in heaven. This is to all the sistren and the brethren, and it goes.